The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online, so he started at MyHealthPolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for, and done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com and done. Switched to a better plan. And Michael. I met with a local licensed insurance agent face-to-face and done. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to compare top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. You're listening to Society Bites Radio and I'm your host, Dr. Richard Himmer. And I'm Sherry Himmer and this is Authentically You, social interaction for the mind and soul. For about the next 25 minutes, we like to talk about healing and growth from the inside out. Remember, you are 100% responsible for your happiness, joy, and well-being. Sherry, I get a lot of um, situations um, in my in my work where someone says, how do you handle this situation? And the one that's been coming up lately is how do you handle universal comments, say by children, uh, by a boss, supervisor, by a dad, by a coworker, that's just blown out of proportion. It just exceeds what reality really is. Yeah. So it sounds like somebody's kind of flipped their lid and they're saying something to you. And how do you respond to when somebody's saying the blown out proportion? Um, proportional statement. So we want to kind of go over that, but in order to do it, I want to bring context, especially springboarding a little bit off of the last segment where we covered these three big myths coming from the book, The Coddling of the American Mind and what's happening on college campuses. So as a reminder, the three myths that we're talking about is what doesn't kill you makes you weaker. Oh, the fragility myth. Mm-hmm. Number two, always trust your feelings. Mm-hmm. Which is this the most myth that um, you have to emotionally reason, which it, it is done in combination, but... Well, straight emotional reasoning doesn't ever happen. Right. There's no... Emotion and reason don't share space unless you're doing it in harmony. And then the third one is life is a battle between good people and evil people. Which is the myth of us versus them. The word that the world is always divisive and should be. So um, all of my clients have an assignment. It's a homework assignment. This is both at the corporate level and personal that they keep an awareness journal. An awareness journal has four sentences minimum that I'm asking them to write. Sentence one is, what did you learn today? What is, it's an IQ based sentence. In other words, when you get up in the morning, you know that you have to write something you learned today. So your awareness is peaked. Right, so then that kind of changes your perspective and like, oh, okay. There's going to be something new in my life that I'm going to be aware of every day. Mm-hmm. That's a lifelong learner yeah. approach. A very, it's a pretty big on the emotional. This sets every day to have a growth mindset. Number two is awareness. It's the emotional intelligence aspect. Whereas one is IQ, two is EQ. You look for rules of engagement, conditions of satisfaction, behavior, um, noticing patterns. So, like when I do it with Samuel, 
it's all about pattern uh, recognition. What's happening here? Are you seeing how this is repeating? That's the second one. Number three is advocate. How did you take care of yourself? And the big three are sleep, eat, and exercise. Um, this goes to the idea that you cannot, you cannot really know your God, you cannot know your spouse, you can't know your children until you know yourself. It's an identity builder. You first take care of yourself so you can take care of others. Okay, that's number three. Number four is gratitude. Well, I have one client. Um, I really enjoy reading her. She's very true to what I ask her to do. She writes one sentence per. I have some clients who write one page per, and I get those. But this, this one client told me a story where her daughter had been catastrophizing the story between the two of them. You're so the blowing one. something out of proportion. Right. So we need to put in perspective where this is coming from. Her comment to the mother was, you're the worst mother in the world. And it really set my client on edge. Okay. So I love, we know that it's a blown out of proportion statement because one, you could logically, you know, rationally question this girl's thinking, how do you know all the mothers in the world to be able to compare me to them, right? <laughs> that's, that's a heck of a good okay. point. <laughs> that's why it's blown out of proportion. How do you even know when someone's speaking irrationally? Well, because you can just sift it through and say, hmm. You don't know all the mothers in the world, so you really don't know if I'm the worst. And what other mothers have you experienced as being your mother? Well, I'm the only one you get. So there. All, but, all of that is true. And, and all those are logical, and you would never say them because you're speaking to an illogical person. And that's what we're going to try to map out is how do you respond to this person who's so irrational? Obviously, they flip their lid. So I'm looking for my notes. That's my no, computer. that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the notes that has the catastrophizing or the um, the blown out of proportion. Ah. Here, I got these. I'll just okay, right here. Yeah, I must not have given you me a copy. I gave you one. So this is what we have. So there are multiple cognitive distortions that we deal with on any given day. Mm -hmm. um, and we talked about two of them in the last segment. One was called emotional reasoning, which means... I only reason emotionally, which you kind of alluded to, mm -hmm. mind reading. So um, you assume that you know what people are thinking about you. So he thinks I'm a loser or they think I'm stupid or wrong or they won't like what I have to say. So these things all are manifestations of distortions at the cognitive level because it's all emotion reason. We want to cover a couple of them today and in, in the stories that we're going to tell. Fortune telling, catastrophizing, labeling, overgeneralizing, bias, negative um, filtering, discounting positives, blaming and shoulds are some of the cognitive distortions that I want to put on the agenda over the next couple of months. Okay. So uh, if you just heard a lot, we're going to unzip those. But I think today we're really focusing on this catastrophizing through this story of this mom with the who is the worst mother. In the world. Team. Yeah, the worst mother in the world. And, you know, I would almost bank on by a statement, you could pin it to an age between 10 and 14. 16 years usually know they can't get away with that because it is irrational, but they'll use it something that's even worse. Like, you always ruin my life. Uh, I, I remember when Scott, um, our, our boy Scott, he came up to me. We were in a merit badge clinic. I was the scout master, but I was doing the merit badge and he was 12. All his buddies there were 12 and 13 year olds. 
And we were going over aspects of the merit badge. And I asked him a question and he couldn't give me an answer. And I, I knew that he knew the answer, but I just waited. And eventually he just says, oh, dad, I hate you. <laughs> he comes out of nowhere, right? Yeah. And he never said that before. It just, and uh, th this is a fun story, so I'll just finish it. The rest of the scouts went, oh my gosh, did you hear what he just said to Mr. Himmer? So it, was, it took them back, right? I'm their leader. And I said, well, for the benefit of everyone here, Scott, would you help your friends understand what it means in our home when you say, I hate you, Dad? And you know, he turned Did a little red. Did he turn red? red. I yeah, everybody turned... was pretty embarrassed. <laughs> he turned a little red. And then I made it real simple. I made it fun, I mean. So I said, well, just for what it's worth, in our home, when my son tells me he hates me, it's just a way of him saying, Dad, thanks so much for all you do. Thanks for feeding me and clothing me and putting a roof over my head. And now holding me accountable. Thanks for being my scoutmaster. Thanks for taking me camping and hiking and motorcycling. That's what love means in our home. But he really couches it as hate because he's cool, right? That's what you are when you're 12. You're cool. And by now, the rest of the kids are, are just cracking up. Well, one week later, I'm doing part two of the uh, Mayor Batch the Mayor Batch thing. <laughs> I'll be darned if I didn't ask almost the identical question. He freezed. He froze. And he said, I hate you, Dad. <laughs> he did it again. And I just smiled. And I said, now, gentlemen, what does it mean in our home when, when the child says, says, I hate, I hate you, you. And those guys came up with all new ones. Besides, thanks for being my scoutmaster. Thanks for loving me so much. Thanks for taking care of me. They were coming up with some really fun ones. And they're all laughing. And Scott got it, you know, and he never said it again. So that, you know, that was age 12, yeah. twice in two weeks. Yeah. And then he never said it again after that. Well, that and, and I, I hate you is kind of, I'm going to blame you for my sense of, of personal embarrassment right now. Yeah, that's exactly. It's kind of hard when your parent is the teacher in the moment in a instructional. You know, it's it's just rough. But oh well, yeah, he was compromised. Okay, so let's go over this. Uh, what happened? So I get this email, or and I'm I'm coaching this couple. The journal, weekly, the journal, right? And it says that I, I had a really bad time with my daughter this week, and this is what happened. So on the phone call, which is I use the awareness journal for. Um, things to talk about. I asked her to tell me what happened. She said, this has been happening regularly where she says, mom, you're the worst mom in the world. No one else has a bad mom as I do. And I said, well, what will you do? What happens? She goes, well, I defend myself. Well, she doesn't say that. She goes, well, it frustrates me. And I think about all the things that I do for my daughter. So I start listing them like in bullet form. Well, which is the natural response when someone's attacking you with, you are the worst you're automatically going to, your mind's going to go to justifying, well, am I the worst? Well, no, I'm not the worst. I provide clothes. You know, like all the things that you do for this child. I gave birth to you. You could start right there. And I'd argue that even though on the surface, it seems like it's a real logical thing to do, but what's the ultimate goal? It's the worst thing you could do in this situation. Because that's so what emotional were her, reason. What were her bullet points that she was bringing um, up? I take you everywhere. I'm, I'm your, your taxi. Yeah. Uh, I I do pedicures and manicures with you. Oh. I do this. I do that. I mean, she, she really is her, horrible then, huh? She she does a lot for this girl, right? right? And it's a blended family. So you keep in mind that there's a, a new husband and, and things and there's that complications. 
Um, but in any case, she started giving her a list and itemizing all the stuff that she's done for, for her since birth. And I said, well, how'd that go? And she goes, well, it was horrible. <laughs> I said, how'd you feel? That what she wanted to say, was, she lacked the word at the moment, was insatiated. It felt horrible and it wasn't enough. And the daughter didn't respond at all. So then her question was, what do I do? How do you handle a scenario like that? So we're going to teach an old, uh, um, an old tool that we've been talking about a lot called connect and redirect. And it's, it's a two-faceted connect. So most of the time when, when we explain connect and redirect is that if I were the mother just for a second and you were the daughter, I would be trying to connect with you. That's, that's one way we teach it. But when you realize what's happening in a connect and redirect, she's just kind of thrown a curveball at you and you were looking fastball. It caught you off guard. You're also connecting with yourself. You're laying a clear, uh, a very stable foundation. You're not going to fight or flight. When you connect, remember, the goal is to be integrated with upstairs and downstairs brains. As soon as the mother, or in my case, as soon as I went into defending my position, I'm now downstairs driven with a false narrative that I have to defend myself. I'm not good enough. My daughter doesn't see me as good enough. I start catastrophizing. Well, I am probably the worst mother. And I do a number of other things in there like mind reading. Not only does she think I'm the worst, but her friends probably think I'm the worst. My husband probably doesn't think I'm worth it either. And no wonder I'm not doing well in school. Yeah, I'm not any good. You're going down a very dark rabbit hole with all those thoughts because of if you take on their catastrophizing and globalize it on yourself. And that's why connecting is multifaceted. You're mm -hmm, going to connect with the person you're conversing with. But, but you also have to connect with the reality of yourself. And you're allowing the what if scenario. And we covered this in the last segment, by the way. We covered the difference between triggered and flooded. You're, you're interrupting the movement from trigger to flood. As a reminder, a trigger is simply a bogey on the radar. Yeah. It's something's going on. It is the stimuli. It is the, the blown out purport, out of proportion um, statement that's being handed to you. And there's nothing wrong with yeah. being triggered. It's just stimuli. Yeah. But flooded is fight or flight or to bring it all out, fight, flight, freeze or faint. So this kind of introduces a thing like we all deal with people who are going to be triggered and say something that could trigger us. And that's what we were kind of talking about, that we then catastrophize on ourselves. So, but how do we, because in the moment is not the time to learn this skill, how do we neutralize that to see it as just a bogey on the radar or a bad card that you're dealt or a card that you're mm. dealt? And what are you going to do with it? How do we look at those situations neutrally? Okay, there's two answers, I think, to this question. One, we'll cover today, but two, we want to cover in about a month. It's called tactical processing, where we're going to, and we're kind of leading into that. We've been okay. preparing this show for some time. Uh, but the first way is to, to do mindfulness, to really pre-plan in advance how you're going to handle it. So in the, in the uh, conversation I had with my client, let's just call her Gertie, when I was talking to Gertie, um, we talked about using mindfulness to pre-plan a connect and redirect dialogue. Okay. And what we've found is that if you can use your imagination, so again, I'll be Gertie for just a second. And my daughter has been regularly telling me how bad a mother I am. 
So instead of me moving to this state of flooded, fight or flight, I'm going to practice being neutral. What would it be like? What, what if I could actually be neutral with my daughter and connect with her? Find out what's going on with my daughter first. What would it look like and how would I feel? So we're now part of this tactical processing. But I'm doing it in my mind's eye. So if I were to practice it, I would say, okay, what does connect mean? I need to find out what's going on with her so she knows I know what she's going through. That's empathy. So I could then articulate to my daughter what she's going through and be accurate, and I'm not biasing it with my own opinion. That's connect. Or your own defensive response. Yeah, and that's a bias, and that's also a cognitive distortion. We mm -hmm. bias stories based upon yesterday, and because we're not bringing neutrality into it, we're already... This is that idea where they say, walk, um, if you walk a mile in someone else's shoes, you know what's going on. No, you don't. I've had many people tell me they've walked in my shoes. Like when I lost my father, they have no idea what it was like for me to lose a father. They might know what it was like for them to lose a brother or a sister, but they don't know what it's like for me. Mm -hmm. That's sympathy, not empathy. We talked about this before when you lost your mother, what that was like. Connecting is empathy personified. You need to find out what's going on with them through their eyes. Only then can you redirect. And redirect will be the IQ. Connect is EQ. So you're going to use a social skill, a technique, to let them know you know what's going on. You'll then redirect them into a logical framework and perhaps even to a teaching moment. Okay, there's our connect and our redirect. So about a week later, it didn't take long. This is, she's one of my favorite clients because she's just brilliant and she, her ability to follow through is, is pretty amazing. Um, so she, the next week she tells me in her awareness journal, I had an amazing experience. It was over the top. It was like magic is the term she used. So when I got on the phone with her, I said, unzip that for me. Please help me understand what happened. So she told me the story. I then wrote a case study out of the story. Now, I changed a few things just to, for the purposes of the case study. So let's do the case study together okay. and make sense of it in the time we have left. So it, as with most case studies, I do an intro. So Sherry, would you be good enough just to read the intro um, from here to here? Mm -hmm. So often as we as parents correct, explain, tell, and direct our children's behavior without the realization that our best intentions push our most cherished connections away. Our lifetime of experience provides us with the curse of knowledge that we inadvertently wield with reckless abandon instead of harnessing the power that is within. We see the end before the beginning and often move to take away the needed learning process that processing or consequences provide. And that's the redirect. Too right. often we as parents or supervisors bypass the connecting process and we're already telling them because we can already see the answer. Yeah. I already know that you're messing up, daughter co-worker, whatever. I know better. I'm brilliant, right? Just listen to me. All right. But they don't learn when well, we just it's tell you. them. Yeah, we're just telling when they're All not, right. we're not teaching. Each person is, is hardwired to connect with others and having a healthy relationship of acceptance and attachment with parental units is a critical aspect of maturity. If a child doesn't connect with his or her parents, false narratives creep in and dysfunctional behaviors follows. 
So Scarlett is a mother of a a precocious 14-year-old daughter. I'm sure she's precious too. Mia loves her mother, (laughs) but often chooses interesting words to convey that love. One of Mia's daily chores is scooping poop from her dog, Scupper. As Mia arrived home from school today, she lost track of her chores and was actively engaged in socializing with her friends when her mom reminded her of her pooper scooper responsibility. So I'm going to be mom in the story and you be Mia. Okay. okay. And the names have been changed. Um, Hey, Mia, you haven't done your chores yet. Please stop what you're doing and take care of the dog poop now. I'll get to it later, Mom. I'm, I'm busy right now. You're not too busy to take care of your chores first. Please do it now. Okay. Okay. I'll get to it in a minute. And I'll jump in my time machine and figure out where I went wrong raising my insubordinate daughter. What? Never mind. Just scoop the poop. Oh, come on. You are the worst mom in the world. You're so mean. And all you care about is that stupid dog's poop. Serious, little girl. Do you have any idea of what I do for you? I spent 18 hours in labor for you. I cook for you. I buy your clothing. I take you to your friend's house. I go to the movies. I get manicures and pedicures with you. Who bought that stupid iPhone, huh? Is that what moms who are mean do with their daughters? Now we're going to stop for a second. I'd like to just to take a few things apart here. Let's find out where mom lost control over the scenario. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and by the way, keep in mind, I'm not saying that this is a bad mom. I'm suggesting this behavior has been conditioned in society. Yeah. We're all, we've all been here. Yeah, this it's it's collusionary, and collusion means we get exactly the opposite of what we want. So let's go over what the big picture is. What does Mia, the daughter, want more than anything in the world? Well, she wants to be connected, and being connected to her mom would be a good thing. The reason why she's spending time with her friends is because she wants to be connected. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what's the biggest thing on the mom's agenda? What does she want more she's than anything? She's got a million things to get done. And tracking what the things that your kids haven't done is on the mom's list, too. So what I'm hearing you say and what I'm picturing picking up is both mom and daughter want to connect. They both want to be happy. They want to have a good time. They want to be able to enjoy life. They want to have happiness, joy, and well-being, right? Right. We are now having a situation of conflict versus contention. So let's review that real quick. Um, We should have time to finish this. Let's review that real quick. Conflict is about what is right. It's principle-based. We both have the same goal, but we see a different way of getting there. The goal being in this case is that the mom wants her daughter to um, be connected, be happy, and be successful, be productive. And the daughter wants to be happy but doesn't know what happiness is, I'd argue. She hasn't – she's got the maturity level of a 14-year-old. Right. So she She's doesn't see things. always in distraction mode. Right. But they both still want the same thing. Now, the role of the parent is to be able to teach and guide and invite. But teaching doesn't mean telling. That's the redirect. My argument is that the pure redirect is almost always in a teaching mode where you delegate that process to the daughter. Okay, so we've got the issue that she went into redirect before she connected. And the redirect was not teaching. It was telling. All right. And defending. Yeah. So now let's try a take two, just using the idea. And what I did here was I really took a lot of what happened and inserted it into a dialogue. Now, 80 to 90 percent of this is probably verbatim. But, you know, I had to I didn't wasn't there. So I just I think of as a parent because I'm always daily in this very position 
of Mia and this mom is that when I walk in the door and I'm seeing my child, I'm checking in to see what they're doing. And I'm thinking of what they need to get done, which becomes on my list of things to get done. And I'm so list focused uh-huh. and what the top of my list should be connect with that, that child. Right. So take two, here we go. Hey Mia, what's going on girl? Check it out, Mom. Zoe's melting down because her boyfriend forgot their four-week anniversary. Now let's stop for a second. Notice the difference in the beginning. Right. Instead of, hey, Mia, have you done? You haven't done your chores yet. Please stop what you're doing. So the objective is about, I'm walking in this room, and how can I get my daughter to do all the things I know she needs to do? So the prime directive is... Connect, connect first. Connect first. The prime directive in everything is connect. We're hardwired to connect. Let's make sure that child feels safe in your space. Okay. Now, before we go on, this works at work. If you're a supervisor, a coworker, they are humans. Humans are hardwired to connect. Don't forget, that's not an object sitting next to you. So let's just start from the beginning. Hey, Mia, what's going on, girl? Check it out, Mom. Zoe's melting down because her boyfriend forgot their four-week anniversary. A uh, four-week anniversary? Yeah. Zoe's so mad because all he cares about is a space ball. What did she expect him to do? I don't know. Flowers, maybe? She's crazy like that. Interesting girl. So what's on your agenda for the next 15 minutes? Mm, Nothing. Just chilling. Watching Zoe meltdown, I guess. Now we've started the redirect. Yeah. But it's not a redirect that you catch him upside the head with the left Well, we we are constantly wanting our kids to do a 180. And we expect them to. A a quick transition and move into the next one. Okay, uh, nothing just you. It seems to me you've forgotten something important with respect to your dog. Oh, come on, Mom. Can't you leave me alone? It's always about chores. Oh, you've got to be the worst mom in the world. Now, here's the critical aspect. Notice she was starting the redirect, and the, the daughter went into she resistance. She immediately resisted. Okay. Mother says, hmm. Now, notice the reconnect, or the, the connect now. Hmm. So let me understand what you're feeling. Now, before I finish what happens here, this is paramount. Notice she didn't go into resistance. She didn't argue with the girl. Her job is to find out what's happening with Mia. That's it. This is so critical because when you do that, the law of reciprocity works. It's about a 95% accuracy, and those are awful good odds. If you're able to be safe with someone, have respect and have trust and reach out to them, you have a 95% chance they'll reciprocate. Now, sometimes you need to build that trust back up, but it's possible. So she says, hmm, so help me understand what you're feeling. You're saying that I'm the worst mom in the world. Did I get that right? Uh, well, you, you know what I mean. Now, what happens, and this has been true in every client that's practiced it, when they hear their words reflected back to them, It's the first time they've heard those words. She never heard you're the worst mom in the world. All she did was deflect and she was just medicating herself. Um, Okay, say me as again, please. Well, you know what I mean. Well, it seems that you're upset about something and telling me I'm the worst mom in the world is how you're dealing with it. So uh, what am I missing? Sorry, Mom. Picking up poop right after school is the pits. Now we're at the heart of things. So you don't like picking up Scupper's poop right after school. Right. Isn't there another time I could scoop the poop? Now here, 
most people will immediately go redirect again and their way of redirect is telling them, yeah, you could do it here, 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 and here, here. And now it's mom's idea, not Mia's idea. And it needs to be Mia's voice right it's now. It's got to be her idea. Because then she'll feel connected. And I can't, we will do this. I don't know if we get to do it in the next segment or some other time. I just finished this with the CEO of a financial planning firm. He was redirecting his prospects the whole time and solving all the problems. He was a control freak, the prospect. All he had to do was say, what do you want to do? How will that work? And the prospect would have walked him right into business. As it was, he walked him right out the door. This works at every level. This is principle-based. So mom says again, um, is there another time I could scoop poop, Mia? Mom, what do you suggest? And then... I don't know. Maybe after I get something to eat and get settled after school. So, okay. Walk me through how that will work. Um, after I get home, okay, I'll get something to eat and I want to connect with my friends a little bit. Hmm. All right. How much is a little bit? I don't know. Five to ten minutes. Let's see. You get home at three o'clock from school. What time should I expect the backyard to be a poop-free zone? Okay. How about 3.30? What's my role in this? Nothing. Don't say anything. Okay. What do I do if there are still landmines in the backyard after 3.30? Okay. Well, then you can say something. Like what? Something like, have you seen the landmines yet? Got it. <laughs> she just doesn't want to hear. I mean. What teenager would? No. So she, she even gets to put the words in her mom's all right, no. we, got, we got to stop. We went a little long. That's my bad. So thanks for listening. We're going to pick this up in the next segment. And we look forward to talking to you then. All Bye right. The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at MyHealthPolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally, Michael. I prefer face-to-face, -face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START, MyHealthPolicy.com. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online, so he started at MyHealthPolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for, and done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com and done. Switch to a better plan. And Michael. I met with a local licensed insurance agent face-to-face -face and done. 
Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to compare top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call.